We've embarked on week two of the college football season here on the Matt Berry YouTube show on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. We will sit here. We will preview some of the biggest games coming up this weekend. Dan Mullen uh, will join us each and every week uh, as we look ahead at the new schedule. A programming note, Mullen and I will be calling the first Thursday night game of the season next week in Memphis, Navy and Memphis. Looking forward to that. We'll be in studio all week and recapping uh, coach, what looks to be a, a really solid slate uh, this week and after kind of a up and down slate in week one. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the thing was there weren't a lot of the big marquee games in week one, but there ended up being some really exciting games and some pretty shocking games, you know, in, in week one. So um, it, it was it was an exciting week. It was a great week to get everything kicked off. And, uh, you know, as we look at the schedule this week, I'm excited. I mean, every window that we have on Saturday, there's going to be some great games. Yeah, I'm going to title this week kind of a get-to-know-you week with a lot of these teams. And I'll get into that theme in a minute because I I think when when you really look at the grid, uh, based on what happened in some of these schools in week one relative to who they play in week two, I think is a very educational week uh, for some of these teams we're going to talk about. But before we move on to week two, since we haven't really talked – since Monday night um, with Clemson and Duke. I do want to hit on that uh, quickly and your overall thoughts on what Duke was able to do to Clemson at home. I thought it was pretty impressive. And, you know, the the, the part of it is, is listen, I, Clemson made a lot of mistakes. They were kind of, they didn't look um, like the Clemson maybe we're used to seeing. But however, it wasn't that Duke played a perfect game and Clemson made all these mistakes watching that that football game. Duke made a bunch of mistakes as well. And I'm watching the game as we were watching back and forth, back and forth. The thing that stood out to me the most was you kept waiting for Clemson's athletes to just take over and look dominant. And Duke played toe to toe with him. I mean, the entire game. I mean, you were you were looking. It wasn't like Clemson was at any point in the game was ever going to out athlete Duke, and uh, and and that says a lot uh, about where the Duke program is. Um, it potentially says that you know Clemson maybe doesn't have the game breakers they've had in the past and the skill players they've had in the past, but Duke was going toe to toe with them, and you know, I mean, Duke Duke turned the ball over, made some mistakes, so. Um, for them to kind of, and then to put the game away in the fourth quarter with physicality and kind of a dominant factor, I thought was, uh, it says a lot where Duke is. And uh, honestly, it might say a lot where Clemson is as well. Okay. Stay there with Clemson because Dabo said yesterday in his recap of the game at his press conference, he said, look, you know, I looked at the film. Uh, If we don't make some of those mistakes offensively moving forward, we won't lose another game. I'm going to say that again. If we don't make some of the mistakes we made offensively, we won't lose another game. Do you agree with that assessment based on what you saw to Clemson? No, not at all. I mean, and you look at their schedule coming. I mean, they have three teams currently ranked in the top 17 in the country coming up on their schedule. Um, you look at, you know, the benefit, maybe they, they're going to have to like count on their fan base and the home field advantage when they're playing Florida state. You, you look how Florida state looked last weekend they're going to be a much better football team than Clemson, much more talented football team than Clemson going into that game. Now, granted, the game is at home. 
Uh, they get Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame's not going to look that bad when they step out there on the field. And North Carolina certainly didn't look that bad stepping out there on the field. Um, and, and when you look at those, just those three games, never mind state, um, I, I don't see that happening now for Clemson have any shot at the playoff. Uh, they're, you know, I, they're oh, going to have done. To- that that's done. Playoff is done. Well, it, 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 I, I, if they if they just win out, if they win out, they Florida would have state twice. They, they can would beat have Florida state twice. Two wins over Florida state, a win over Notre Dame, a win over North Carolina, a win over South Carolina. I, I don't think it's over for them with the schedule that they have this year. However, watching them play Monday, I just don't see it. I, I don't see them winning. I, I don't know. I, I they're going to be lucky to get to the ACC title game. Watching them play on Monday night. Well, that's what it is. I think it's over just based on the team they fielded. Look, this is a transfer portal world, and Clemson's the only one not living in it. Look at how Florida State won on Monday night. Keon Coleman, transfer. Kid from South Carolina, the pocket knife. I, I don't know why his name always slips me. Jared Verse. The, yeah, uh, Jaheim Bell on offense. That, Jared, that's what I'm saying. Jared like, Verse last year on defense. You know, that's what I'm, I'm like. The, Dabo has been so slow to adapt to the NIL portal era. He still wants to get him in high school and develop him, which is all well and good, and you should still be doing that. But at some point, it's going to be too late. Because he refuses to get developed guys to come in and help him immediately. Is there? Did you see one player offensively that could stretch the field for Clemson? I, that was the issue. That was where you didn't see it. Now, granted, that I'm going to give 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 him credit because you, what you'd see is they don't take transfers in. They don't lose a lot of guys at Clemson. So no, I mean, his, you're right. I mean, it, it, his formula could still potentially work for him. And saying, hey, that we're going to keep doing what we've been doing same guys they've had you know i mean club nick i looked i thought solid looked pretty solid last year a little bit um watching that game i don't see him i I was expecting a step forward from you know i mean you're talking about a guy that came in as a true freshman late in the year looked sharp now he has hey i got a year under my belt in college i'm the guy moving forward but i i thought he possibly regressed uh, at the quarterback position. And and I, you're used to seeing Clemson give the ball to a running back that gets in the open field and is gone or stretching the field vertically with receiver. I mean, and, and I don't want to play the running backs. I think their running backs are solid, but they're not game breakers. But they don't have anybody on the outside that you, you know, there, there were times we were talking about during the game. They have a guy catch a six-yard hitch with the corner way off. Turn around. It's one-on-one. It's an eight-yard gain. He gets tackled. I'm used to seeing the Clemson. Yeah. I'm used to seeing that turn into a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, Clemson and, six years ago, that's gone. They, you know, it's like every time you're holding your breath every time one of their guys gets the ball in their hand. The other night, you were kind of, you know, you were, you were I mean, it, to be honest with you, the Duke athletes look the same. And so I, I think that's really good for Duke, and I don't think that's as good for Clemson. So we'll see how this progresses for Clemson as the season goes on. It's as cliche as it gets. The biggest adjustments are made between week one and two. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks for the Clemson Tigers and Duke, really, for that matter, to see if they're legit coming off a nine and four year a year ago. All right. I mentioned a second ago, it's kind of a get to know you week for some of these teams across the country. We're going to start with the big one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Texas. Here's what we don't know. Look, Middle Tennessee State, 
they are who they are. And Jalen Milrow looked really, really good. Five touchdowns accounted for five touchdowns in the season opener. So what we know is that Alabama is going to lean with Milrow at starting quarterback. What we don't know is how Jalen Milrow is big picture against a team like Texas. Conversely, Texas probably didn't throw out the entire playbook against Rice. They get the win. And so now we're really going to see the 2023 version of both of these teams when a game was won by one point by Alabama last year, 20 to 19. Alabama, 15 penalties, a record under Nick Saban in this game a year ago. So, Coach, Setting the table. We're going to get to know both Alabama and Texas. Where do you see this thing going? Well, I think the fact that it's going to be in Alabama this year is a big plus uh, for the Crimson Tide. And uh, I, I do agree. I think both teams probably held back a little bit in game one. And all the players held back a little bit in game one. And I think that is such a big, big deal. You know, I mean, you you got to – these guys, trust me, both teams were looking forward to week two. The coaches' staffs were looking forward to week two. They didn't spend training camp talking about Rice or Middle Tennessee State. You know, they just didn't. And so um, I think you're going to see very different teams than we saw in week one show up this week. I, I'm excited for this game. I, I if, if I think there could be – the discussion going into this game, Jalen Milrow and the running attack and the, the physicality, you know, is it going to be that old school Nick Saban offense and his ability to pound the run and then hit the deep play action down the field. You hear about Quinn Ewers and the tech, you know, last year when he, Texas was kind of controlling the game, he got hurt. They're exploding receivers out on the edge. You hear about the Alabama defenses. You know, the, the the defense hasn't been the focal point as much in the last couple of years, but this Alabama defense could be different. That's what you hear over and over and over. There's one unit that never gets mentioned. It's a unit that gave up only about 170 yards last week to Rice. It's a unit that were able to contain Alabama last year with the exception of a First overall pick in the draft and effort by Bryce Young at the end of the game. A little bit of a break by the officials, right? You know, I mean, they they got a break with the safety, but I mean, that the last drive by Bryce Young was special. The Texas defense, I think if the Texas defense is the kind of the the, the unheralded, no one, I, I, you, I, I've never heard anybody even mention Texas defense. I mean, all the breakdowns we do is, It's Alabama defense, it's Alabama offense, it's Texas offense, and that's the game. This Texas defense, I think, could has the opportunity to step up and be special. And if they can come in, and the focus has got to be stop the run. If they can try to stop the run, and they're able to stop the run against Alabama and force them into throwing the football, I think that could could bode very well for the Longhorns. So when I mentioned get to know these teams for Texas, if not now, when? If not this Saturday against Nick Saban and Alabama, who haven't been to the playoffs in two years, Sark has everything in front of him. It's, I mean, it's all right there. Now, I'm not saying that they lose this game, they can't run the table and get to the college football playoff, but if not this Saturday and what he's trying to do in Texas, I know you're going to the SEC, you're going to get more opportunities, but this is such a moment for Texas to plant that Longhorn flag and say, Hey, Tuscaloosa, Hey, Baton Rouge, Hey, Athens, 
hey, Knoxville, we're coming. A la Deion Sanders, we're coming. It, it is. And if you think about it, think of the statements that could be made this week. Again, everybody, you know, the SEC's on top and, and far and above on top, and everybody's trying to catch them. But if you think of it, there's two statements that could be made this weekend. A Texas win against Alabama and a Miami win against Texas A&M. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, we'll get there. Two, I'm with you. Two weeks into the season, two weeks into the season, the SEC really has not played a conference game, and they have been dismantled because you go back, South North Carolina beat South Carolina, Utah beat Florida, Florida State beat LSU. There's two more this weekend that really could get you, and Georgia plays no one. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. That all of a sudden, come the end of the year, you're saying, show me a quality win by the league. Where show me one quality win by the league. Uh, they're, they're gonna start being hard to find when you, you sit in. I'm, I'm ex- I, I get to go sit in this playoff, the mock playoff committee for ESPN this year. I want to see how that all plays out and how that could shake out come the end of the year. I, I still think the SEC champions in the playoff, unless yes. something weird happens. I think the SEC champions in, but after this weekend, you could sit there and say there's it's the SEC champion only. There's no way they're getting a second team in. Especially if we just talked what you just talked about. If Texas beats Alabama and Miami beats Texas A&M. Okay. So what we'll do for everyone here on the, on the weekly preview show, we're not going to get you out of here with a prediction. So Texas, Alabama, who do you have? Are we going spread? No, we're seven. We're, no, we're we're going straight up, baby. This is straight <laughs> up program. Uh I listen. I let's go with Texas. I love it. Let's go with Texas. And, and here's why. Like you said, if not now, when leave um, off of last year's team, I, I think they left last year's game thinking, let it slip away. We can beat this team. And that is a huge, huge deal for um, for college kids. And, I mean, for Texas. I think they're going to be very confident coming in this game. That's what it's – it's that they know they can play with Alabama. And most teams don't have that type of confidence. And Sark knows Alabama. He coached for Nick Saban. This is going to be a fantastic game. Can't wait. 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. All right. You had mentioned it, so it's just natural segue. Let's, let's, let's get to that one. It's a get-to-know uh, Miami, Texas A&M, 3.30 Eastern ABC. A&M last week didn't play anyone in the opener, but for their purposes, Wegman looked good. The offense looked good. Jimbo Bobby Petrino had their thing going. And then Miami, I'll say this for Miami. What we didn't get year one out of Cristobal was them beating a team handily that they should. They did so last week in the Battle of Miami against Miami, Ohio, 38-3. to Tyler Van Dyke looked pretty good. But this is a bit, this is another big one for a year two coach because he's got to start getting people to believe that, you know what, what I'm bringing back home, it's going to work. Trust me. This game last year was absolutely hideous. Now they get another opportunity. It's a get to know each other this week with Texas A&M. Are they legit? And Miami, is the build coming? I think this is one of the biggest games of the weekend you know, for the, for the two programs, because, you know, we, 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 when you talk to Texas Alabama, the loser, that's okay. They still have a lot in front of them, 
there's going to be a lot of questions asked to the loser of this game. I, I think this is one of the biggest games. Texas A&M, I, like you said, I thought they looked sharp last week. Their wide receivers look like players on the pro. Yeah. He's that can, I mean, Evan Stewart, wow. Uh, you know, they have guys that can score, put the ball in the end zone. And listen, we all know the pressure around Jimbo Fisher. He wants to go kind of, they've been kind of laying low in the offseason right now. And can they jump up and shock people with the talent that they have? I think this is a game that is kind of a must-win game for them for this season to play out how they want to see it play out. Miami, in year two with Cristobal. I, again, I mean, when, when are we going to see Miami and the U that we expect to see? I mean, it, we, you, you're, you're saying ACC, the interesting one. All the talk, the power teams in the league, should they not, the, the power teams of UNC, Clemson, and Florida State, there is a college football power missing in that discussion, and that's, that's right. the that's the U. I mean, that, that you're talking a the power of college football. That's now kind of a, an afterthought. This is – and the Hurricanes – to make a statement against a after the game, oh, Jimbo this and the issues at AM. This is an AM team that is one of the in, a team that a lot of people could sleep and are saying are in West and maybe a contender in the SEC West. For Mario Cristobal to get that win, it is a that he has Miami and the U have. Yeah, and it's exactly. And every new coach, and he is new because he's still there in year two. Every new coach, when they're building the foundation of their program, needs that statement win. The statement win to make people believe that okay, we're heading in the right direction. And you're right; that would be this for Miami, and it would also give people a thought of like, uh oh, ACC. If we get Florida State and Miami both back. That's great for the conference part one. And part two, if you get Miami back, just the big picture of college football, I think it's phenomenal. I've said this about Texas. Go ahead. No, year two is like you said, you hit it on the dot. The year two, year one, you're getting everybody excited. Year two, you're making your statements as a coach. Yeah. And and, and Mario can do that this week. Conversely, I've told anyone who will listen with Texas A&M because of what happened last year. I think a lot, and, and they had an exodus in the portal, but I think a lot of people forgot Jimbo Fisher has been stockpiling four and five stars for the last three, four years. I mean, they're all over the field. They are legitimately a sleeper in the SEC West. If not because people cast them aside from last year, but if you go roster for roster on that side of the, the, the conference, they're as loaded as anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think they are. And I think the fact that they have a rallying call around AR head coach. You know, these guys all committed to go play for Jimbo Fisher. Yep. And they have a rallying call of everyone's against our head coach. They have a great, I mean, Bobby Petrino, a great offensive mind. As you said, they have a lot of talented players and they've got to fly under the radar that they've been kind of written off with the pressure. When, when I coached at, at Mississippi State, one of the great things 
you get to go to media days and every year, Oh, you picked us to finish last in the West again, you know, great. Hey, you know, Hey, we're no one's expected much of us again this year. And the, that, and you know, those players know they can look around and say, Hey, we got a pretty good team. We have some talent. No one expects much of us. There's a lot we can rally around. And I think that's going to help them this year. So, but this is going to be a, this is going to, that's going to be an exciting and a, and a great game. Uh, now, prediction wise, yeah. I've seen the talent at AM, and Miami has not convinced me enough that they can pull it off yet. I, I just, listen, I, I'd love, I, I want Miami back like you. I, the Miami, right? I mean, for Miami's a Miami. You need villains sometimes, right? You, you absolutely know? do. I mean, like the the, the everyone want Miami used to be like the, one of the great villains of all of college football, and it's so it's such a good deal to have them back, you know. And and so I mean, they're a team that either they're a team that everybody has an opinion on. They're not a team that when Miami's on, when Miami's back. You either love Miami or you hate Miami. Very few people are like, ah, I, I, whatever, you know, I mean, I, I don't have a feeling either way. Um, I don't think they're, I just, I haven't seen enough of them to believe that to do it yet. And I got to go with A&M in that one. I'm with you. I think a and I'm with you. I, I think Cristobal is getting close, but I think Texas A&M goes in there and gets the win. Um, it spreads four points, whether they win by a touchdown remains to be seen, but I think they've got the dudes to really mess with some people in the sec West. All right. We'll whip through a couple of other of these uh, pretty quickly here. I don't think we know enough about Notre Dame yet. Uh, they've had Navy. They've had Tennessee state get to know the Irish conversely get to know NC state. We thought they'd have some momentum coming back uh, quickly. Give me Notre Dame NC state prediction. I'll tell you what now, Notre Dame, if Notre Dame could pull it, I would take NC state in the points. I think Notre Dame could pull off a close upset. I don't think Notre Dame's played anybody yet. Uh, they have to go into Carter Finley, not an easy place to go play. NC state had the a little extra time to prepare for this game playing on the, the, uh, the Thursday night uh, against UConn. I think they kind of sleep walk, slept walk through that game. And Dave Dorn is going to have that team ready to play. I think Notre Dame wins in a close game, but I'm, I would take the points with NC State. I'm fascinated to see Notre Dame in this one because we all believe they were a Sam Hartman away with some of the recruiting that Marcus Freeman's done, some of the holdovers from Brian Kelly. He certainly looks the part the first two weeks. But again, Navy, Tennessee State, this is really an identity game for Notre Dame to see if they're legitimately a top 10 team in the country. All right, you knew we'd get to this one because we it's just been the story in college football. Colorado now ranks 22nd. The ticket to get into Folsom Field for this one against Nebraska, somewhere around $400 just to get into the stadium. So Nebraska prime, Matt Rule game two after breaking after Nebraska's fans' hearts were broken again against Minnesota in week one. Who do you like? Nebraska-Colorado, a very good traditional rivalry in college football. I mean, huge traditional rivalry. I think this, I think Colorado went from shoulder. No one thinks we can win. You know, we're coming. We believe to now. I mean, these guys are walking around that campus. Everyone telling them they are the greatest things on the face of the earth. 
Nebraska showed up in week one. They played defense. They played defense. They were on the road in a tough environment, playing against Minnesota, who's who's a a, a good team. I, it is such a tough one. Okay, and I mean, I'll get bashed again. Okay, and I, I will I will put up my if if I will put up my um, my Ted. It, I'll, I will next week. I'll have my believe mug the whole time that I'll drink out of if they do it again. But I got to go Nebraska on this. I think Matt Rule is going to have them ready to play. I, I, and I, I, and I, but I, I thought Colorado looked so much better than I thought they would. But I think, I think they're going to come out and it's going to be a little different style game than they had in week one. And I think Nebraska is going to find in this game. And I have a hard time saying it because it's going to be a close game. Yeah. And they, boy, they, they had better. I mean, they need an exorcist in that, that facility in, in Lincoln, Nebraska to do something to That's get, right. get away from the one score games. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Nebraska. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go against the uh, everybody else and go with Nebraska. Yeah. It, Matt rule. If there's anyone that could pull a team together when you think they're down, it's him and it's year one and he needs this is gonna be you're right. There's, there's such contrasting styles coming in there. Colorado's the national story in college football after week one. Nebraska a little bit forgotten after the loss to Minnesota, heartbroken. Nebraska's coming in hungry. Like they're gonna come in ready to make themselves the story. This could be a good one. They Colorado gets that noon Eastern window all of themselves again with a good one. Not all of themselves, but it's going to be, they're going to get the nation's eyes again. I can't wait to watch this game. And, and it, I mean, you got to think of it. It's the noon East coast kick. That's a 10 AM local kick. That's sleepy. That is that. That's not easy now. Uh, that's I, right. For sleepwalking. I've, I've done it. We've I've played a game out there. We play. I, when I coached at Utah, you played air force on the noon East coast kick. It was a 10 AM local kick. It is a, I mean, you're, you're, you're walking, you're going to your walk through, you're on the field in pads at 9am. It's a very different feel of a game. Um, you know, I mean, that you got to set up the tailgate. I mean, it's going to be 30 degrees. It, it, it'll be, it'll be different. It'll be chilly. It'll be, it'll be a different feel of a college football game. Cannot wait to watch this one. Cannot wait. Colorado is going to be must see TV until you convince me otherwise. Okay. Going to be quick here because I think there's two teams that are going to be on lookout alert, and it two of them, it's Pac-12 related. I think Oregon needs to be careful at Texas Tech because Texas Tech was a trendy team in the Big 12 coming into the season. They went up to Laramie, and I don't know if they just forgot they were playing in a, in a tough place. They got upset, and now they've got Oregon coming to their yard. They're probably a wounded animal a little bit, so I'd say Oregon needs to be careful. And I also think Wisconsin – Needs to be careful going up to Washington State. I think this. I think Oregon rolls. I think they go into Texas Tech and they keep it rolling. And I know Texas Tech a little bit down, a little bit wounded after that game. They And what you don't want to see is that offense of Oregon rolling in. I think Oregon comes in and rolls. What it's What is it, seven and a half, the Wisconsin – uh, six. It's moved to six. Wisconsin's favored by, uh, well, touchdown, no extra point. They're favored by six. Yeah. 
I don't need the points. Washington State is going to win that game outright. I didn't. I don't think Wisconsin looked great last week. Um, I think going to have some play. They have. I mean, they, they're going to put up some points, and I think they win the game outright. Oh, it's going to be fun. I I love week two for this reason. Like everyone's saying, well, there's not too many games. Well, if you really look at the games and that's what we'll do for you here. I mean, if you're a football nerd, this weekend is perfect for you. We've set the table for you here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. And Dan and I, along with Joey Galloway, will recap the entire Sunday with you on college football again coming up this Saturday. Can't wait.